Well, it is so good to be with you here today. Uh, if you weren't here last week, you missed a great Sunday as we joined live with our other campus in Quakertown and we heard some great testimonies uh, of what God can do in your life and how God can take the mess. And come on, there's many of us in our lives that we look at our lives and we see a mess, right? There's, there's been some things in our life that have led to a mess. And what we saw last week is how God can take a mess. And when you surrender your lives to Jesus and you begin to walk in alignment with his word and not just hear his word, but obey his word and begin to walk in that, how God can take a mess and he can turn it into a message of his faithfulness and a great testimony of how God has redeemed and reconciled this couple and is now using them to speak life into different areas, where, whether addiction or abortion. And, and just, man, if you weren't here, I would just encourage you to go back and, and listen to their story because it was a powerful, powerful week. This week we're jumping back in to our time in the Sermon on the Mount. We're in week number 10, and uh, we're going to be wrapping up Matthew chapter 6 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 19 through 34. And uh, if you haven't been here throughout this series, we've been coming back to this theme. The reason we've called it upside down is we've been coming back to this theme time and time again. In, in this Sermon on the Mount, what is probably the most famous sermon ever given, Jesus constantly talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And what we see throughout is that it's a kingdom that is drastically different than the kingdoms of this world. And that we as followers of Christ, or it refers to us as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we're called to live our lives drastically different than the way that people live their lives who are not a part of this kingdom of God, right? And so we've looked at many different areas that our lives should look different. And so this morning we're going to look at an area, Jesus is going to speak into an area where our lives should look different as followers of Christ. It's an area when it comes to our stuff, our money, and our possessions, and the way that we view these things. And he's also going to show us how we can learn not to be overwhelmed and anxious when it comes to money. How many of you would be honest and say there's been times in your life where money and, and possessions and things have been a source of anxiety or feeling overwhelmed? Like you've got to the end of a month and you've looked at what you have in the bank account and you know what your bills are and you've gone, this, the math is not adding up. All right? Like this is common core math or something and I don't know how to do this. There's, there's times, if we're honest with ourselves, when it comes to money and possessions, that, that can be a source of anxiety. And I'll also be honest, for many of us, uh, this, is, this is an area today that's going to be a tough one to talk about. Sometimes God's word is not easy for us to look at or easy for us to hear because it kind of strikes a nerve. And for many of us, this today is going to be one of those areas that strikes a nerve for us. Because when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to the idea of Jesus saving us from our sins, and, and, and it comes to the idea of, you know, going to heaven when we die, we're, we're good with all of those things, right? Those things sound much better than the opposite, paying for our sins and going to hell. We're good with accepting Jesus as our Savior. We're good with allowing him to be Lord of certain areas of our lives, but for many of us, we struggle with allowing him to be Lord over this area of our lives. Like we struggle with giving him lordship over our wallet, over our bank account, over our retirement. What do we do with our stuff? It's just an area, and I think a lot of it is because we're Americans, right? In America, we're just a consumer society. Everything, just think about when you watch TV, how many commercials are geared towards the temptation of more, right? Like if you have a bigger house, 
you're going to be happy. If you had a, a newer car, you're going, to be, you're going to be happy. If you had the newest phone, right, like you have a smartphone, but, but your phone is not the smartest phone. There are smarter phones out there. And your phone, let's be honest, your phone's kind of dumb compared to those smartphones. And if you want to, if you want to be like everybody else, you need the new phone because you need to have the smartest phone. And, and we're constantly filled with this, like, this desire for more and that if we just had more stuff and better stuff, then, then we'd be happy and then we'd be content and everything will be great. But the truth is, and we probably experience this in our lives, is that none of that stuff really makes us happy. None of that stuff really makes us happy because it's constantly changing. It's that constant carrot on a stick out in front of us that we never, we never fully get to. It's constantly changing and, and there's always that next thing to attain to. And ultimately it never leaves us to true happiness. And so here's the big idea I want us to see today as we look at these verses in Matthew. The way that we view money... And stuff, possessions, is really important. Now, I want you to also understand that money in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's, it's a neutral thing. It's not good or, or bad. It's simply a tool. But as we've seen throughout this sermon, Jesus doesn't just look at the outer actions oftentimes. He doesn't just focus on the outer actions. He gets deeper than the outer actions and he goes kind of behind the scenes to our hearts. And he shows us what our hearts look like and what our hearts should look like. And same is true with what we look at today. He's going to reveal to us what should our hearts look like when it comes to the way that we view money, possessions, and the material things of this world. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, it says it like this. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Verse 10 is key. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. He doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. He says the love of money, that pursuit of money, that desire that, that, that just takes over our lives where, where money and possessions and, and the God of more and more and more. When that becomes the greatest desire of our lives, what he's saying is that's a path that leads us. It, 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 it takes root down into our lives. And the root of that leads to evil things being produced in the fruit of our lives. We need to make sure that we're not allowing ourselves to be overcome by that love of money, that desire constantly for more and more and more, we need to learn how to be content. So with that in mind, let's look at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to first look at verses 19 through 24. And here in this first part, Jesus is going to give us three illustrations or analogies of, of what it looks like when it comes to our motives in regards to possessions and money and stuff. And so Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Where moths eat them and where rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. But store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters. 
For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Can we open with prayer today? Because as I said, I think this is one that's kind of tough for us. Be a little quieter in here than normal this morning. Because this is one, if we're honest with ourselves, and I'll be honest with you, it strikes a nerve at times. It's an area that I struggle with. It's an area that probably every single one of us at times struggles with. Our perspective and our idea when it comes to our stuff. And so let's just open ourselves up to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Not my words, but God's words today. So Father, we invite you to do what only you can do today. God, we are yours. If we are following you, we want to live as followers of you. Submitted to your lordship and your leadership in every area of our lives. So God, for some of us, this is an area that we struggle with. It's an area that we have a hard time letting go of. Lord, I pray that today we would hear your heart and your words. God, that it wouldn't be just my words today, it would be your words. And that you would show us any areas that are not what they should be so that we could submit them to your leadership and lordship. And we can walk as followers of you, as citizens of your kingdom in every area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this portion of scripture, Jesus, he uses three illustrations, analogies to talk about this. And so what I want to do is I want to look at each of these and I want to kind of break down what Jesus is trying to teach us when it comes to the way that we view our possessions, our money, and our stuff. And so the first thing he talks about, if you're taking notes, he talks about the difference between eternal treasure and earthly treasure. He starts by talking about the things that we treasure, which are the things that we invest our resources and they're the things that are the most important to us and he says that we have two choices when it comes to what we invest in what we invest our time our talents our treasure our resources and he says we can invest in earthly things or we can invest in eternal things let's look at those couple of verses really quickly again he says don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal instead store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal now we have to be clear what Jesus is talking about what he means here he's not forbidding having money we need to be very, very clear on that. He's not forbidding having money. In fact, nowhere does the Bible condemn saving or the responsible use of money. In fact, you look throughout Scripture, it commends it. It commends you to be wise with your resources. It commends you to save. It commends you to work hard, to provide for your family, and, and not to be lazy. The Bible talks a lot about money, and nowhere does it condemn having money. That's not what he's talking about, in fact. In fact... It's not even about an amount. This isn't about having a lot or having a little. In fact, this command, I think, what, what Jesus is saying here is just as much of a challenge or even more of a challenge for those of us who maybe don't feel like we have a ton of money as it is for somebody who has an overabundance of money. Here's what Jesus is saying. What do you treasure the most? When it comes to your resources, when it comes to what is most important to you, when it comes to what you invest the most of your life in, your time, your treasure, your stuff, what what is most important to you? What is your greatest treasure? You have to make a choice whether you're going to treasure money, possessions, earthly things, or you're going to treasure God above all. What you invest your time, your talents, and your treasure in reveals what is most important to you. It shows you what is of most importance into your life. And so he talks about two different things. He talks about earthly treasure. And when he talks about earthly treasure, he says these are the things that do not last. These are the things that are temporary, that can wear down with time, that can be taken, that can be here today and gone tomorrow. How many of you ever experienced that to be true in your life? Now, I'll be honest with you, I mean, I talked about it, I didn't really share it with Second Service last week, and I'm not going to share the whole story, but recently got a new car after 
our car was totaled in an accident and I, I put a piece of wood into the car to, to do some work at our house and I broke the windshield on the brand new car by being an idiot. Um, again, no skills, just in case you were wondering. Um, and, and that's what happened. And, and so this brand new car that was this investment right now has a big cracked windshield that I got to pay to give. How many of you ever realized that new things don't stay new for long, especially if you have kids? You get a new couch or something in your house and you really like it and then your kid named Zeke draws on with a sharpie on the couch. <laughs> the destroyer of all things, right? Like new things don't stay new forever. The things of this, or this earth that we often invest in can be here today and gone tomorrow. How many of you ever had an investment that did not work out? You put money into it or, and, and all of a sudden it was gone. It did not pan out the way that you wanted. Why? He's saying so many times we spend so much of our times, our talents, and our resources investing in things that are of this earth that, that will not last. Right? That, that, that maybe you love. You love that car. You, you spend every single like Saturday morning, you're out early washing that car, making it look really nice. And guess what? You're going to pass it off to your kids at some point. And they are not going to care. They are going to use it as a place to store all of their water bottles in the backseat. That's going to be what it is. And they might wash it once a year. And they're not going to care about it the way that you care about it. And often what we do is we spend so much of our life investing in those things. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's just not always the best investment because it doesn't last. Can't take it with us. One person said, you know what I've never seen? I've never seen a hearse followed by a U-Haul. Because you can't take anything with you. It's not the greatest investment of our time. Or he says we can choose eternal treasure, which are things that outlast our life, things that are held safe in heaven for eternity, things that are a reward from God for the good things that we have done and the way that we've spent our life. And there's something that cannot be lost, cannot be taken. They are safe, stored for eternity for us. He says you have a choice. What will you invest most in, earthly or eternal? In 1 Timothy 6, a few verses later than those verses we read in the beginning, verses 17 through 19, he, he, he goes on to say this. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and to not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Now, sometimes we hear verses like this and we go, this is not to me. Because he said, teach those who are rich and I'm not rich. Can I tell you something? If you're here today and you live in America, this is to you. Because when you compare yourself to other people who are richer than you in America, you may not feel like you're rich. But if you compare yourself to people all over the world who live on less than $3 a day, guess what? You're rich. Every single one of us is in the top 5% of wealthiest people in the world. So this verse applies to us. It's to us. It says, teach those who are rich to, that, to not trust in their money, which is so unreliable. But their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Yeah, and he's not saying there's anything wrong with enjoying life and enjoying things. It says, God gives us these things, but just don't rely on those things and trust in those things. It says, tell them to use their money to do good, that they should be rich in good deeds and, to, and be generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Again, the challenge is, what's most important to you? What are you investing in? Are you focused more on eternal or are you focused more on the earthly? And Jesus, not only does he show us this, the difference here, but he also shows us how we can know, how we can look at our lives and we can evaluate to see what is our greatest treasure. And what does he say in verse 21? He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. What is he saying? He says, your heart, it follows your treasure and not the other way around. 
So many times we think, well, okay, I give my life to God. He has my heart, so my treasure. That's not how it works. What, what, what actually happens is our heart follows what we invest most in. What we invest most in is what gets the greatest part of our heart, the greatest devotion of our heart. And so if all we invest in is earthly, if all of our resources are just invested in having more and more and more, what that shows is that those possessions and those things are what has the dedication of our heart, not the things of the Lord. Because what you treasure, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Now I want you to understand what's, what's, what God is not saying in this portion of scripture. God, God is not up in heaven looking at his monthly bills going, you know what, February is going to be pretty, pretty tight. I just, I need all of you people, I need your money. I need your money so I can pay the bills. I got to pay some angels. I got to pay, I got heaven. We need some new streets up here and it's gold. So that's pretty expensive. So I'm going to need a little bit more money from you guys. I'm up here. You know what? We're going to up the tithe 15% now because we, we're running a little low on our reserves. God doesn't need your money. He has everything. Everything that is yours is actually his. Everything in the world belongs to him. Everything. He's not running short. He, he's not, there's not a deficit that he's trying to meet. What God wants more than your wallet is he wants your heart. Right, what does he say? To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But there is competing things from your heart. And he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you invest in things that are eternal, what ends up happening is your heart lines up with those things as well. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says our whole lives will follow whatever it is that we treasure. Whatever it is that absorbs our attention. Whatever it is that we give the best of our resources to. That is where our treasure is. We become what we love. And so we need to be careful that we are guarding our heart in that way. And that we are choosing to be careful what we treasure. Because it will shape your heart in ways that you don't even fully realize. I like this saying from a, a man named C.T. Studd. He said it like this. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I like it because it rhymes. And it's true. Only what's done for Christ will last. The only thing that, that outlasts this life are the things that we invest in eternal things. The earthly things will be here today and gone tomorrow. But the things that we invest for eternity are stored up for heaven. So you have to ask yourself, the question you need to ask yourself is, am I living more for the eternal or for the earthly things? Again, having a house, a car, none of those things are wrong. But what is your greatest treasure? What is your greatest treasure? Things of the Lord or the things of the here and now. Next, Jesus goes from, from, from what we treasure. He starts to talk about our perspective and our mindset. He talks about our eye and our vision. And what he's talking about in this portion of scripture is the way that we view our stuff. The way that we view our money. The way that we view our resources. And he says we have two choices when it comes to the way that we view these things. We can have a, a mindset of generous stewardship or we can have a mindset of greedy possessiveness. Verse 22, your, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Here's what Jesus is trying to teach in this portion of scripture. When your vision is right, when your perspective and your mindset is right with how you view money and possessions and stuff, then the actions of your life will follow the right way. The actions that come out of that will be right because your view and your perspective is right. But when your vision is wrong, your perspective is wrong, your mindset is wrong with the way that you look at your stuff and money, then the actions of your life. And if you think that your actions are wrong but you're actually chasing after darkness, he says if the light inside of you is actually darkness, 
right? In other words, if the way that you view money is actually the wrong way, but you think it's the right way, how deep is that darkness? It's going to be hard for us to kind of see. So what is the right view of money and possessions? What is the right view that the Bible talks about us having? Well, there's this idea and theme you see throughout Scripture, this idea of stewardship. That we are called to be stewards, good stewards, faithful stewards of what God has entrusted us with. And many of us, if we're honest with ourselves, instead of looking at our money and possessions from the mindset of stewards, we look at our money and possessions from the mindset of ownership. This is all mine. I worked hard for this. But our mindset shouldn't be, this is all mine. Our mindset should be, this is all God's. This is how God has blessed me. And He has blessed me so that I can be a blessing to others. And He has poured generously into my life so that I can pour generously into other people's life. God, this is all yours. How can I use it best for your glory and your purposes? That's what He's saying in this portion of Scripture. And when we have the right view, it's going to cause us to either have a mindset of, of stewardship, generosity, or we'll have a mindset of of greed, possessiveness, holding on to things. And Jesus tells this parable in Luke chapter 12 to kind of illustrate this. In Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, he says this. He says, beware, guard against every kind of greed, because life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. He said, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said to himself, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Sounds very American. He says, then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. I like how he refers to himself as my friend. That's a little weird. My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you are a fool. You're going to die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Verse 21, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. We're called to have a mindset of a steward, which leads to a heart of generosity. This understanding that God has been generous with us so that we can be generous with others. Everything belongs to him anyway, but a heart of greed, what does a heart of greed say? You know what I need? I just need more. I'm out of room. You know what I need? I need a bigger space to store my stuff. Why? Because a heart of generosity trusts God to provide, but a heart of greed trusts what we've built up to provide. What ends up happening is we put our, we put our security in the amount of money that's in our bank account or in what we've built up, our assets and everything else. And that's what we build our security in. And, and instead of building our security on who Christ is and trusting Him to provide for us, we ended up trusting in ourselves. He says it leads to two different mindsets, our mindset of greed or our mindset of generosity. One is inward focused, one is outward focused. We have to understand that our view, our perspective towards money is important because if we don't view it right, the actions that follow from the way that we use and spend and treat money will be wrong, be sinful. So what is our perspective? What is our understanding towards money? Do we, do we look at what God has entrusted us? Do we look at it as that we are simply stewards of what God has entrusted us with? Or do we look at it as just as mine? I worked hard for this. Nobody can take this from me. It's just mine. Those mindsets will lead to different actions. And then the third thing Jesus talks about, he gives us another illustration, he says, when it comes to money and possessions. We can either be a servant of God or we can be a slave to money. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
Jesus uses a common analogy at that time that would have been familiar to them between a servant and a master. Now, I want you to understand something. When they talk about a servant in this time, most likely they were talking about like a bond servant, which would be at that time somebody could be a servant, a slave, but maybe they had a debt that they would have to pay off and they would work for somebody for a period of time to pay off that debt. And after they had paid off that debt, if they looked at that master and says, you know what, you treat me really, really well, you take care of me, you're fair to me, you take care of me and my family, I have it really good with you, I want to continue to be your servant so you can continue to, it's basically like an employer, employee relationship. And so they could choose to, to put themselves under that, that other person, that master, so to speak, to, to be there, to, to kind of provide for them. And what, what they're drawing an analogy here of that type of relationship. He says you can't, you can't serve two different masters. At some point in time, your allegiance is going to be called into question, right? At some point in time, both of those masters are going to ask you to do something. It's going to be Wednesday and they're going to say, hey, listen, I need you here on Wednesday. And the other master will say, no, I need you here on Wednesday. And at some point, you're going to have to choose which master you're going to be obedient to. Who are you going to choose to follow? Are you going to choose to, to follow the master who doesn't take care of you, who is harsh with you, who treats you like a slave? Or are you going to choose to follow the one who provides for you, who, is, who, who, is, who you can trust? You're going to be loyal to one and you're, going to, and you're going to despise the other. You're going to love the one and you're going to hate the other. That's the reality. You can't serve fully two masters. At some point you're going to have to make a choice. And that's what Jesus is saying here. That, that money and God are giving you two different contradictory sets of, of, of values in life. And at some point in life you're not going to be able to have one foot in the door of serving God and one foot in the door of serving money and living as a slave to money because they are pulling you in different directions. You're going to have to make a choice. You cannot serve both God and money. In James chapter 4 verse 4 it says it like this. It says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Now, James is reiterating here what Jesus is saying, that we can't be friends, have one foot in the door, so to speak, of both the world and, and, and God and eternal things. James is not saying here, this is, we need to be clear on this, James isn't saying that you can't have friends that aren't believers. James isn't saying that, that Christians should never engage in culture or with people they meet. That's not what the passage is about at all. What this passage is about is this understanding that Christians who choose to continue to live according to the wisdom of this world, who choose to continue to live driven by envy and greed and selfish ambition and seeking what they want above all else, living for as a slave to money and trying to live at the same time. They cannot do that because when you live for one, you're actually an enemy towards the other. To live that way is to live as an enemy of God. And that's the point that Jesus is saying as well, that you have to choose. That God and money are pulling you in two different directions and at some point you're going to have to choose which one you are going to be loyal to. Who are you going to be more loyal to? Money is telling you that you can have happiness and, and if you just had more and you just had better stuff then you're going to be happy calling you to a self-centered way of living your life where God calls you to a life of service and a life of open-handed living where you're obedient when God tells you to be obedient and you're a blessing to others when he tells you to be a blessing. And at some point those two are going to be at war with each other and you're going to have to choose which one you serve. Will God or possessions rule your life? Will we serve God and, and use money for his purpose or will we serve money and use God as our genie when we need a, a few wishes? Which one will call the shots? And, and the answer to this determines the course of your life. It's a really, really important question to ask. And there are consequences attached to the choice that we make. If we choose to serve money, if we choose to chase after 
earthly treasure constantly. And we choose to have the perspective when it comes to our money that it's all about us. And we have a greedy mindset and we hold on and we have this mindset of hoarding everything for ourselves. And we choose to chase after those things. And that is the reality of our lives. There's certain consequences. I know the world says if you do those things and you just have more, you're going to be happy. But we've experienced and you've probably experienced it as well. Is it never leads to happiness. It just leads to anxiety and worry and feeling like you're never going to have enough. It doesn't matter how much you have, it's still not going to be enough. So what does Jesus do? He gives us a solution. He gives us a new and better way of living our lives. Matthew chapter 6, these, the rest of these verses in chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, this is what Jesus says. He says, truly, or that is what I tell you, not to worry about your everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? That's a good question. Have any of you worried yourself into a better mood before? Like spent all day, oh man, look at, just like looking at the, the numbers and realizing that it doesn't add up. And at the end of it, you looked at it and you're like, you know what, I feel much better now. I spent all day stressed about this and now I feel, I feel great. No, because worrying doesn't make our lives better. Worrying doesn't add anything to our lives. It just makes us feel worse. We leave that whole thing and we feel worse. And he's saying, why do, you, why do you worry? If God provides for the birds, he'll provide for you. He says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at all the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of you need. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. The key to all of this, the key to having the right perspective is all found in, in verse 33. It says to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. How do you make sure you're investing your life in the right thing? How do you make sure you're not just chasing after earthly treasure, but you're chasing after eternal, investing in eternal things? How do you make sure that you keep your mindset and your perspective and the way that you view money right, that you look at money from the perspective of steward and not owner? How do you make sure that you're not living your life to serve money, but you're living your life to serve God and to use money for his glory? What do you do? You continue to walk out and do every single day what verse 33 says to do. Seek God first and foremost. This isn't a one-time thing that we do. Okay, I prayed a prayer, my life is God's. No, this is an, an everyday decision to seek God first in every area of your life. God, I want to chase after you. I'm going to pursue what you have for my life. I'm going to put you first in every area of my life. I'm going to submit to your lordship and your leadership in every area of my life, including my finances, I'm going to seek you first, your kingdom, your purposes, your will first and foremost, and I'm going to trust you to take care of the rest. That's what he says. He says when we seek God, his promise to us is that he takes care of our needs. 
That when we put, you don't have, what Jesus is offering us here in this moment is a completely better way to live. You have two choices. You can live your life a slave to money and you're going to live your life in worry and anxiety, always feeling like you have to have more. You're going to spend more money than you make to buy things that you don't need, to impress people that you don't like. That's going to be your life. You're going to live like most Americans who spend 105% of what they make. They're overspending what they make because they're spending it in the credit card and all this other debt. You're going to be like every other person who carries the weight of all of that around because you're a slave to that thing. Or you can choose to seek God's kingdom. Choosing to align your life with his kingdom and his purposes. And trust him. Why can we do that? Because he's a good God. He's a perfect father. We talked about this as we talked about how we pray. We pray to God as our father. He's a father who cares for us. He's a father who sees our needs. He's a father that knows how to provide everything we need. Can I tell you that I've experienced this in my life? I've experienced times in my life where, where when we had our coffee shop years and years ago and it was not doing well, and we had a mortgage and we wanted to continue to be faithful and put God first in our finances, but it was really, really difficult. And there was months where I looked at the, the checkbook and I go, well, the math is not working out. And there was times literally that I, in, my, in my spirit I felt the weight of that. And then there was times where I'd literally go out to the mailbox. And I can give you multiple examples, but there was a time I went out to the mailbox and there was a check in the mailbox for the exact amount of money that we needed to, to pay our bills for that month, $300 that we were short. And it was from a student that was in our student ministry years before who bought my car and, and we were gonna, he was going to buy it for $1,000 and he only had $700. And I said, okay, you can, $700 is fine. And, and years later, he, he wanted to send the rest of it because he wanted to be a man of his word. And he sends a check. And he didn't know at that moment that that was what we needed. But God knew. See, that's how God works. He doesn't say, I'm, I'm going to give you all of your desires. He doesn't say, let's just seek God first and you're going to go to sleep. And you'll wake up the next morning, there's going to be a Lamborghini in your driveway. Health and wealth and everything else. We don't preach that here. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that he's a good God who takes care of our needs. And we can either trust in our own resources and our own selves. And we can feel the weight of worry that comes with that. And the heaviness of feeling that we're never going to have enough. Or we can seek God's kingdom above all else and trust him. And he will provide for all we need. He, he's giving us an opportunity to experience his blessing and his provision in our lives. That we cannot experience when we rely on ourselves. Who will you serve? As we close, I wanted to share one final portion of scripture for those of us who are followers of Christ to encourage us when it comes to what we're investing in. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says it like this. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. I want to share one final quote with you this morning. This quote was, a, was by a man named Jim Elliott. He was a, a missionary um, that felt God calling him to reach an unreached people group, I believe down in South America. And he actually lost his life. He was killed by the people that God had called him to reach. And that wasn't the end of their story. In fact, God used his wife and the wives of some of the other missionaries that died as well to actually reach this tribe and, and brought reconciliation. It's a beautiful story. I believe there was a movie made of it called The End of the Spear or something along those lines as well, telling their story. But this was a man who literally gave his life for the gospel. And he said this quote, and this quote always has been challenging to me and will hopefully be challenging to you as well. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain that which he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. Would you stand with me as we close today? Again, I, I, know, I know that this is not an easy subject to talk about. For many of us, we, we right away will say, well, I'm not rich, so this doesn't talk to me, or we try to discredit it. I don't know where you're at, and I don't know your heart, but God does. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we're called to be generous in every area of our lives. We're called to live open-handed lifestyles. So the question you have to ask yourself is this, what, what am I living for? What am I investing in? What is most important to me? What is my greatest treasure? I, I want to challenge you to, to live for what will outlast your life. Like make the greatest pursuit of your life, the greatest treasure of your life, not just be things that are here and now, but things that will outlast you. Lives that are changed because of your generosity, lives that are changed because of your obedience to Christ. What are you investing in? What are you living for? Would you just close your eyes for just a moment? That verse in Colossians says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. I think sometimes we just... We just need to remember, because it's so easy to get so consumed with our life here on earth. But the Bible says that our life here is, is like a vapor, it's but a mist. If I had a spray bottle up here and I sprayed it, you would see the mist for a second, but it would be gone. You wouldn't see it anymore. And he says, that's, that's your life. doesn't matter how many years you live, that is what your life is like compared to eternity. And so many times we think that we're just, you know, a body and we have a temporary, you know, a soul. No, no, no. We are an eternal soul with a temporary body. That the moment that we are born, we are every single moment by moment, day by day, one step closer to the end. That mist of our life is short. And how we live in the here and now, how we live here on this earth, how we invest our lives in this earth, it matters for eternity. It matters for how we spend that eternity hour. It matters for, for, for what that eternity looks like. More, most importantly, if we give our lives to Christ, but also then we're held responsible for what we do with our lives. At some point we're going to stand before the Lord, and if you're a follower of Christ, you're not going to stand before the Lord based on, based on if you're in or out. You're going to be in because of what Jesus has done for you, but then he's also going to, to, to judge us on what we did with what he's entrusted us with. How did you use the life that he's given you? How did you invest the time that he's given you? How did you use the resources that he has entrusted you with? Have you been faithful with what he is giving? We live not for the here and now, not for the rewards of this kingdom, of this earth, but for the kingdom of heaven. Gold is a valuable commodity on this earth, but in heaven, gold is what we walk on. Like it's nothing. It's nothing compared to... We spend so much of our life investing in things that will be here and gone and not enough time taking to invest in things that are eternal. And hear my heart on that. This is not really even about money. This is about your heart. Because where your heart, where your, where your treasure is there, your heart will follow. So what is most important to you today? If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus yet, and that's kind of a weird Sunday, I hope you understand that this isn't about money. This is not, it's not another church asking for your money. We don't even make a big deal of that because God provides. He's been faithful to us through our, our church body. Don't stress about that. This is about your heart. And more than your wallet, more than your money, God wants your heart. And when he has your, your heart, 
what has happened in our lives is we want to give him everything else. We trust him with everything else. The Bible says that he has come to give you real life, better life than you can even imagine. That he wants to take your sins as you repent and turn from your sins and you receive his forgiveness. He takes your mess that you've made of your life and he changes you, he transforms you, makes you a new creation, the Bible says. If you don't know him, I would encourage you today as we close in prayer to simply surrender your life to him. There's no magic words you pray, it's just your heart. Giving your heart to him, trusting him with your salvation, trusting him to forgive you for your sins, trusting him to make you new. But if you're in here today and you are a follower of Christ, maybe there's areas in your life that God is showing you that you haven't fully submitted to him. I want to encourage you, live for what will last. Live for the eternal. Don't get so focused on the here and now and the things of this earth that will be here today and gone tomorrow. Invest in things that will outlast your life. And if there's areas that God shows you that are difficult, don't leave here going, well, that's harsh. And I don't, no, just submit that area to God. Surrender that area to God. He knows it's a struggle at times. Just give it to Him and trust Him. So Father, today, we trust you. In every area of our lives, we want to experience your leading. God, for many of us, this is an area that's a struggle. Whether it's just the, the constant temptation for more and more, whether it's finding our security and in the numbers that our bank account says we have, whatever it is, God. There's so many times where we, where we trust more in money, trust more in our stuff than we do in you. We don't live generous, open-handed lives because we're afraid of, of being a blessing because it'll take away from what we have, our security. But you're calling us to a completely different way of living, a very upside down from the kingdoms of this world way of living. God, you tell us if we would just do what you say to do, if we would seek you and your kingdom above all else, first in priority in every area of our lives, we would seek you, put you first, align ourselves with you, your purpose, your kingdom, your vision. We would trust you, live righteous lives for you. If we do those things, God, that you would provide for everything we need. We don't have to live stressed, anxious, worrying. We simply can experience your blessing in our lives as we trust you a new and better way to live. So God, I pray that you would show us any areas that are not as they should be. And Lord, help us to repent, to ask forgiveness, to submit those areas to your Lordship and your leadership and to live here, not as just hearers of the word, but as doers of the word as well. In Jesus' name we pray.